0: Wonder, did she always look like Aunt B? I mean, when she went to the first grade, did she look like Aunt B then? Because she always seemed to look like Aunt B. Parenthetically, it has nothing to do with my sermon today, but you know, Mayberry was such a wonderful place, right? Some of you are Andy Griffith fans, and it was a, it was a wonderful place to live. It seems. Do you ever wonder why? Now, I don't have a theory, but I have an observation. No one was married. Andy wasn't married, Barney wasn't married, Aunt B wasn't married. No, the only person in that show who was married was Otis, and he was the town drunk. (laughs) Now, I don't know if there's any correlation concerning that. It has nothing to do with my sermon. I I was just curious about it when I was thinking. But mothers have changed. They've always changed. They're different with every child. For instance, when when a woman becomes pregnant with her first child, she begins wearing maternity clothes as soon as possible. When she is pregnant with her second child, she wears her regular clothes as long as she can. And when she becomes pregnant with the third child, her maternity clothes are her regular clothes. <laughs> I'm just teasing. This is Mother's Day, come on. But, but they change with every child. Every child has a different mother. When, when that first baby is born, the mother just looks at that baby and whistles to that baby and sings and plays and caresses. The, the, the attention for the whole day is on that baby, the first baby. And then when the second baby comes along, then the mother spends all day making sure that the first baby is not hitting the new baby. And then when the third baby comes along, she spends her day hiding from the children. I don't know what you do with 10, because it's going to be pretty difficult to hide from those children. But today we're going to look at mothers, and so take your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. We'll begin in verse number 1. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, lest they drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the dumb, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Now then in these verses and in this chapter we learn some things about mothers, and he begins with the production of her hands in verse number 13. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. There was a boy who had gotten his first job, and so he was boasting about how hard he worked. He was telling a fellow, he said, I I get up at 5 o'clock every morning, I get ready for work, and I eat breakfast. And the fellow said, is there anyone else up at that time? He said, well, yeah, Mom gets up, and she fixes my breakfast. He says, well, what else does your mother do? So, well, she sweeps the house. She mops the floor. She takes care of our clothes. She runs errands. She prepares dinner, and, and uh, then when we all come home, then we have dinner together. The man said, well, do you, do you get paid for your work? He said, well, of course I get paid. My dad and I both get paid. He said, does your mom get paid? He said, no, she doesn't get paid. She doesn't work. (laughs) Well, we know that women work. There are some who work in the home. She sews in verse number 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. So what does a mother do? Well, she works in the home. Some work in the home. They sew. The other day, my my dog, um, and my shirt was hanging back uh, in the laundry room, and, and my dog tore off the cuff. We didn't tear it totally off, just sort of ripped it up. And so Linda is uh, trying to sew my cuff, and finally she gave up on it. And I said, that's all right, I can just roll it up. Nobody will know the difference, except, now you, you know, but... But she sews. She tries to put things together that blue tears up. Robbie, one of our college students, came to Stephanie recently and said, Do you know how to sew? She said, Yes. She said, Well, I have a button off my coat. Would you put it on? She said, Bring it to me, and I'll put it on. So what does a mother do? Well, a mother who works in the home, she sews. She shops, verse 14. Now, you guys need to look at this in the Bible here so you'll know what I'm talking about. Verse number 14, she shops. She is like merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. So what does a wife do? What does a mother do? Well, she shops for the family. So she is going out trying to find bargains for the family. Now my wife, as you know, is a shopper, what you don't I mean she always looks nice. What you don't know is that a lot of times she is wearing something that costs four dollars. In fact, she'll come home and say, "Look at this." I said, how much, $4? She said, no, $4.50. But she is a shopper. So what does a wife do? What does a woman do? What does a mother do? She sews, she shops, she cooks. Verse 15, she rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. Well, you fall a little short here. She shops, cooks. All right, gardens, verse 16. She considers a field and buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. So she uh, gardens. So the truth is, neither Linda or I could grow anything. That's Steve Harmon's helping us to do that now because I don't even have a yard. I don't know what, the worms ate it. Something ate it. We don't have anything. But whenever he is talking about what does a woman do, what does a mother do, he says she shops, she sows, she gardens, she cooks, she does all those things. So there are mothers who work inside the home and they have plenty to do. Then there are mothers who work outside the home. Verse number 16. She considers a field and buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. So there are those who work outside the home. They have earnings. Verse number 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. So she buys stuff. She makes stuff. She sells stuff. So the Bible says that a woman works. You and I know that. A mother works. There are some who work inside the home. There are those who work outside the home. But we see the production of her hands. Secondly, we see the instruction of her tongue. Verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She teaches. G. Campbell Morgan had four sons. All of them went into the ministry. They were having a family reunion once and a man who was there asked one of the boys, well, which one of the Morgans is the best preacher? And he looked at the others. He looked at his dad and then he said, mother. I think many of us would agree that mother is the best teacher. Moms, how do you teach your children the ways of God because I know that that is a desire of your heart how do you teach your children the ways of God let me say first to you that you start when they're young I, I don't understand when parents who are in the church decide that they are going to wait until the child is older to begin instilling the word of God in their heart start while they're young The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Did you know that the average age of salvation for a Southern Baptist preacher is eight years old? That means that someone started young. When our children go to school, they should go with our values, our beliefs, entrenched in their hearts and in their minds. And unfortunately, too often we want to wait until the child is too old to begin teaching them. As a rule of thumb, I believe that when your child is very young, very young, that you're strict on them, that you teach them, that you instruct them. When they reach puberty at that time, you begin to allow them to make some decisions and suffer the consequence because they are transitioning into adulthood. Now, too often we we reverse that. When our children are young, we are very tolerant because they're cute. When they get to be 10, 11, 12 years old, then we become strict on them because they are embarrassing us. That is the time when you need to allow them some freedom. Start while they are young and your children cannot be too young to begin instructing them with the word of God. A second thing I would say is to share your own experience with them because I believe the best teaching is always autobiographical. Share your experience with your child. Have you told your children when you became a Christian and how you became a Christian? Have you shared that with them? Have you, do your children know how you came to know the Lord? Share your experience with them. Share your journey of faith with them. Some of the struggles that you've had. Some of the doubts that you've experienced. Some of the difficulties that you have gone through. But I believe it is important when you are teaching your children that you share with them your experience because they learn from that and then you teach them in the normal routine of life. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, And when you rise up I have never found it to be very effective with my children to sit down in a formal setting and try to teach them I have found that they are most responsive in the normal pattern of life when you walk when you take them out for a walk What a wonderful opportunity to teach your children. For instance, when you take your child out for a walk, they look at the sky, you can tell them that God created that. When they see the trees, you can talk to them about God being the creator. You have an opportunity to teach them about God as a creator as you take them out for a walk. So I I thought about that. I I remembered a walk as a little boy that I had with my mother and it's still inscribed on my mind and she taught me the first song I ever remember learning, Jesus loves me, this I know. We were just out walking. I remember it, just out walking. Moms take the opportunity when you're in the normal traffic pattern of life to teach your children. You don't have to sit down in a formal setting to teach them. When you walk, when you lie down. What can you teach your child when they're lying down to go to bed? And God's the protector. That God's going to be with them tonight. That he's going to protect them tonight. That he watches over them. They can sleep because God is watching over them. So he says whenever you walk, whenever you lie down, whenever they rise up, When you awaken your child in the morning, what can you teach them? God's made this day. It's a wonderful day. He has a wonderful plan for you today. I I try to think of a verse of scripture when I awaken in the morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I try to think of that verse every day. This is the day the Lord hath made. God made this day. Now I'm going to decide what to do with it. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can teach your children. Well, what do we teach them? You see, we are to teach our children. The best teachers are their mothers. So what are we to teach them? Teach them the importance of being obedient to God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 11, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Parents, teach your children that it is important to order their lives in the Word of God, to be obedient to God. There are a lot out there who are instructing them in a different direction. Teach your children to be obedient to God. When John Wesley went to Oxford, he was taken aback by the amount of alcohol that the students absorbed, that they consumed. He wrote to his mother, Susanna, who was a wonderful mother to the children. And he expressed his concern about what he was seeing among the student body. She wrote back to him, my dear son, remember that anything which increases the authority of the body over the mind is an evil thing. Teach your children it's important to be obedient to God, to be obedient to the Word of God. Teach them how to handle temptation." The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. One of the most important things you can teach your children is how to avoid temptation because temptation will come. I I know that you try your best to protect them from temptation, but you can't. Temptation will come to your child. Now temptation is not sin. It's yielding to the temptation that is sin. But they need to understand that actions have consequences. That I I choose to do something and there are consequences to the choices that I make. The problem that we have in too many instances today is that we don't teach our children to avoid bad behavior. We teach them how to avoid the consequences of bad behavior. That's the reason that God has forbidden some things. There are some things we are not to do because there are bad consequences to those actions. Teach your child how to handle temptation. Teach them that there are consequences to the choices that they make and teach them to protect their thought life because that is the seed of temptation. Proverbs 23:7 said, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Do you help your children put the right things in their mind? Do you instruct your children in such a way that their minds, their thoughts are pure? Teach your child to read the Bible. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Teach your child the importance of commitment, first of all, to God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Teach your child the importance of their commitment to God, of being committed to God. Not just in word, but in their lives being committed to God. Teach them the importance of being committed to their family. I, I, I admire those families, and we have so many in our church where the members of the family are committed to each other. I mean, you see it, you see it among the siblings. They're, they're committed to each other. You see the parents and the children, the grandparents, committed each other. Build up your family. Don't tear down your family. Build up your family. And teach the child to be committed to the family. Teach the child to be committed to the church. That it has value. Let me ask you, when you're making decisions in your own family as to what you're going to do, for instance, on Sunday, what are you teaching your child about the value of the church? Are you teaching your children that it is valuable, that it's important? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's what I want for my family, is it not what you want for yours? I always wanted my children to say, man, on Sunday morning, rather than say, oh, do we have to go to church today? I don't want to go to church. I wanted my children, I want my grandchildren to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Look forward to the house of God. Now we see the mother's instruction of her tongue. She instructs her family. And then we see the affection of her heart. And we have ample reason to love our mothers and our wives, do we not? A husband loves his wife. Why? Well, because she's trustworthy. Verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain What better could be said about a wife than her husband trusts her because she is trustworthy? Faithful in her affection? I know that I can trust my wife. She is faithful in her affection to me. Faithful in her affection, faithful in finances. When Linda and I were young and newly married I told her one time I said Linda you and I are in the same boat either one of us can sink it or both of us can row it doesn't matter you know she has never breached the trust of the checkbook because we rowed the same boat if one goes down The other goes down. If one does well, the other does well. I never understood in the marriage relationship where it becomes his money or her money. To me, it's the same boat. And we're gonna sail it together or we're going down together. He trusts her. And then we love and appreciate our wives because of the companionship that she provides and builds us up in verse number 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. How can you not love a wife who builds you up? There was a couple had a family over, had a couple over to the house, so they had the grandmother come take care of the little girl. So the grandmother took the little girl upstairs and they were up there playing and mom and dad and their friends were downstairs. And after a while, the little girl said to her grandmother, said, mom and daddy are entertaining some important people tonight. And grandmother said, well, yes, they are. But how did you know that? She said, because mommy's laughing at all of daddy's jokes. <laughs> she does him good. She builds him up. And then in verse number 22, she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Men, when your wife, now I know sometimes it can drive you nuts, but when your wife tries to make herself look the best she can, you ought to thank God for her. Sometimes it takes them a while. But I appreciate that. I, I, I really do. I appreciate that in my wife and I appreciate it in, in the ladies in the church. Who want to look their best. You should. There's, there's no value in, in the others. At least I don't see any. But then in then <laughs> verse number 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. We praise her because she makes us look good. If your wife makes you look good, then you ought to be praising her. And my wife is good at that. She's been, I said, I sell for far more than I'm worth because of my wife. That's just a fact because she always tries to make me look good. So, husbands, you love your wives and children, you love your mothers because they make you who you are. You see, mothers believe in us. In verse number 21, she is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. They they believe in us. Moms believe in their children. Abraham Lincoln gave credit to his mother for who he became. She died when he was a boy. But he said that he always remembered her reading the Bible to him, her last words to him. I'm going away from you, Abraham, and I shall not return I know you will be a good boy. I want you to live as I have taught you, to love your heavenly father and keep his commandments. Believed in him. Moms believe in their their children. My my mother believed in me. I I remember my mother telling me so many times, window, you can be anything you want to be. Now, she had more faith in me than I did, but she believed in me. And because she believed in me, I believed a lot of things that I would not have otherwise. Moms believe in them. Mothers trust their children. You trust them. If you believe in them, then you trust them to do right. Both of my children said to me when they became adults, the greatest pressure you ever put on us was to trust us. And Linda and I have always believed that our children were going to do right. Moms believe in their children. They trust their children. And here's the hard thing for moms to do, and that's to release them. One of the concerns that I have while I'm in the neighborhood, I might as well say it. Helicopter parents are doing tremendous damage to their children. I I understand it. I understand the desire to protect your child. But what you want to do is to prepare your child. Because you can't always be there. And when we are constantly trying to protect them from everything, then we do damage to them. In fact, Dr. Neil Montgomery said helicopter parents make their children more vulnerable, anxious, and self-conscious. I read an article recently that said that when a college graduate applies for, a college graduate applies for a job, 25% of the companies said they received a call from the parent telling them why they should receive that job. 25%. Research has shown that grit is more predictive of a child's success than their intelligence. Prepare your children for life. Love them, teach them, believe in them, trust them, and release them. I conclude mothers give us three basic gifts. The first is identity. They teach us who we are. I remember my mother telling me so many times when I was going somewhere, don't forget who you are. They give us our identity. They give us our heritage. They teach us whose we are. You belong to the Estep family. And you belong to the family of God. They give us our heritage and thirdly they give us our purpose while we're here god has made you he has put you here and you have a purpose in life we love our mothers because they give us our identity who we are our heritage whose we are and our purpose why we are moms thank god for you God has given you a tremendous task, and I believe that you can fulfill it in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Our Father, I lift up these mothers to you, these families to you, and thank you for them. I pray, Lord, that our families might have Christian influences because they have Christian parents. Lord, I pray that you would bless them even today in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand, extend an invitation. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings, you come, I'll greet you as you do.